This is The Causes of Things, and I'm your host, Michael O'Fallon. The key term to understand any developments in politics, religion, financial markets, or social sciences today is the loaded power word, reflexivity. In simple terms, reflexivity can be simply understood as a self-fulfilling prophecy, or as an outcome that can be determined or assured due to overwhelming propaganda. In an attempt to model Karl Popper's framework of open and closed societies, George Soros attempted to link the concepts of organic society with a traditional mode of thinking, closed society with a dogmatic mode, and open society with a critical mode. What he could not properly resolve was the nature of the relationship between the mode of thinking and the actual state of affairs. That problem continued to preoccupy Mr. Soros and is how he came to develop the concept of reflexivity, a concept we shall explore in detail during the course of this episode. Of course, Mr. Soros did not discover reflexivity. Earlier observers recognized it, or at least aspects of it, often under a different name. Knight in 1921 explored the difference between risk and uncertainty. Keynes compared financial markets to a beauty contest where the participants had to guess who would be the most popular choice. The sociologist Merton in 1949 wrote about self-fulfilling prophecies, unintended consequences, and the bandwagon effect. Dr. Karl Popper spoke of the Oedipus effect in the poverty of historicism in 1957. More obscurely and much earlier than the 20th century, the Greek myth of Pygmalion, of a sculptor who carves an image of a beautiful woman that eventually comes to life, is in many ways the earliest concept of the basic underpinnings of reflexivity. At the turn of the 20th century, the entire concept of George Bernard Shaw's My Fair Lady was the model of shaping and molding something that isn't into something that is in the shape of your heart's desire, while all the while fooling the wise and the proud. And a little hint, the actual title of My Fair Lady is Pygmalion. Soros's own conceptual framework has its origins in his time as a student at the university that George Bernard Shaw founded, the London School of Economics, in the late 1950s. Soros could choose his tutor, and he chose Dr. Karl Popper, whose book, The Open Societies and His Enemies, that had made a profound impression on Soros. Here is how to understand the theory properly. Soros substantiated David Hume's insight that reason is the slave of passion. The idea of a disembodied intellect or reason, he postulated, is a figment of our imagination. Hence, Soros thinks that any understanding of reality is always flawed. So how can anyone claim that their particular truth corresponds to reality? And if this is the case, then there really is no static reality. So why don't we simply create the truth around us? So in regards to how we understand the objective and subjective understandings of how to interpret the world around us, Thinking serves two functions. One is to understand the world in which we live, which we can call the cognitive function. 
The other is to make an impact on the world and to advance our own interests. Soros calls this the manipulative function. Soros himself states that he uses the term manipulative to emphasize intentionality. In other words, since all truth claims are subjectively suspect to fallibility, make your own truth claim up and you can create the future. Since you are brilliant, one of the powerful elite, and know what's best for everyone else, implant the fertile fallacy, a fat lie that demands action into a continuous feedback loop. Shout it far and wide from the mountaintops. Use every available media outlet, TV, radio, social media, and particularly in the United States, the church. To fertilize your fertile fallacy, make it the center of all conversation, create a crisis, and insist that everyone else answer to your fallacious creation. In the end, the reflexive action that is created is never with the intent of solving the fertile fallacy. In the end, it is meant to move the needle further to accomplishing your greater goals, the deconstruction of Western civilization and the creation of an open society. By creating a negative self-fulfilling loop of media propaganda, Soros was able to use reflexivity to significantly weaken one of the strongest national economies in the world. Mr. Soros earned a place in finance history by heavily betting sterling would fall in 1992 and was dubbed the man who broke the Bank of England. He short-sold more than $7.6 billion in the currency, meaning he would make money if its value fell. So when the UK crashed out of the European exchange rate mechanism and the pound collapsed, Soros pocketed a windfall. All of this out of a properly placed fertile fallacy that created the perfect situation for Soros to prosper. Mr. Soros has poured tremendous amounts of funds and efforts into his NGOs, non-governmental organizations, in Hungary to overthrow the government of Viktor Orban. Mr. Soros's university, backed by the London School of Economics, served as the center of propaganda education, as young students are encouraged to reject traditional understandings of society and demand new progressive liberal concepts of family, politics, and life. And then there's America. Mr. Soros and his Open Society Foundations have been the primary strategic resistance movement against the executive branch of the United States of America. Black Lives Matter, the Democracy Alliance, Center for Media Justice, United We Dream, and multitudes of other organizations are all funded by Mr. Soros and his networks. Mr. Soros also served as one of the primary financial contributors to the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign. He also financially supports Elizabeth Warren, Keith Ellison, and many others. The Democracy Alliance Conference, held only a few days after the 2016 national election, acted as a launch of the anti-Trump strategies to be used before and directly after the inauguration. All of the major Democratic policymakers and liberal mainstream media titans were in attendance to create the fertile fallacies and strategies to take down the Trump administration, or at least prevent the executive branch from being effective in stopping the slide of America into open society globalism. 
the keynote speaker at the Democracy Alliance Conference, Mr. George Soros. But mainstream media is not the only way that Americans receive their news, their truth, and their marching orders. So Mr. Soros and other progressives have targeted the American church. Mr. Soros has used his powerful financial influence to change the course of policy and doctrine within the Roman Catholic Church and Protestant Evangelical Churches. Through financial contributions, Mr. Soros' funded organizations have greatly influenced organizations such as Faith and Public Life, PICO, Jim Wallace's Sojourners, and Catholics for Choice. The reflexive end goal is to create observable change in the doctrine and practice of the church. Mr. Soros and the Open Society Foundations have influenced the Evangelical Immigration Table, which is directly funded by the Soros-funded National Immigration Foundation. The reflexive end purpose is to persuade the evangelical mind to encourage mass immigration into the United States of America. The list of areas in economics, public life, politics, faith, international relations, economic policy, and social change affected by reflexivity is literally endless. Reflexivity is used as a precise and less obvious form of propaganda that involves deception, massive force, and overwhelming media to ensure that the mind of the receiver is deluged with the intended and purposed message. To know how to think in today's world, reflexivity is a word that you need to know. I'm Mike O'Fallon, and this has been The Causes of Things.